Hi, this is Dr. Lee Piccarello inviting you to tune in to The Head Game, a must-listen show for athletes and coaches of all levels and ages. Mindful Athlete Training in Newtown, Pennsylvania is a mental circuit training program that prepares the athletes to perform at the highest level of today's game. Athletes get into the zone faster and stay there longer. Uh, we take them on, the head game. We're ready to play, and we got the players to do it. Dr. Lee Piccarolo and Jess Ferdinand in tandem, ready to roll. Thank you, Foxy. How are you today? Feeling honest today. You are. <laughs> feeling, uh, feeling very honest today. You are. Yes. You're feeling it all. You know that you were. You know, Doctor. I was. Uh, why? Just while you talked about the. the Share the what, truth. Share the truth. I went to my college baseball reunion. You know, this is like a, about a little over a month ago, and looking around, and twenty three of us out of, out of twenty eight five are passed on, but uh, all but one graduated. Hmm. Twenty two out of twenty three that were 22 there. Twenty two out of twenty three. That is a testament to. Well, you know that we you, you see it all through. Of you. you see it through, and you and like you said, the 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 dynamic was different. Yes, we. Well, I didn't. It I, was different. I was Foxy. I was I was out of the lineup. I'm going to transfer. You know, there's a, you talk about all the use the portal portal and all. I, I get that it's business and everything else, but mm. you know, I I I broke in. It took me uh, uh, into my sophomore year to break into the starting lineup, and uh, and that's still pretty damn good. Right, yeah. sophomore year yeah. to do that yep. some people don't get that until they're a senior sometimes or, or they're a super senior like one joe burrow yeah fifth year a lot of people don't know that i yeah. started, I started a good five co- years good coach my father passed away my first year i thought about transferring and the, i didn't play much the coach said you are in the plans and i i believe them and i and I, that maybe stick it out so. yeah you know, so you have to have a little faith too you do but i think it's also a testament to how you were raised yeah and what you your moral fiber was about, and the things mm-hmm. that you believed in, and uh, we got really, it, and got degrees out of it. Being patient, though, for yeah. something that you identify as special and worth it. Yeah. And our discussion today, greed in sports, the deadliest sin, mm-hmm. is more to do with once you get that prize, once you reach the pinnacle what it takes to revisit it to stay there again and again and again and in light of the major league baseball scandal Mm. what we're going to start to talk about a little bit today uh when you think about greed in sports uh greed being one of the seven deadly sins the deadliest sin does our society influence greed in general uh do we are we an advocate for it uh, without ra- realizing in our lessons that we're teaching, our wanting to be better than the next person mentality. Uh, it's starting very, very young. When you look in uh, amateur recreational leagues, uh, the ages in which organized baseball, football, basketball, softball, field hockey, uh, lacrosse, it's all starting to begin at a much younger age. The competitive spirit uh, is getting clouded. Some would even suggest skewed uh, more and more uh, in which our, our younger generation is feeding on. It's becoming a frenzy. Does greed and competitive sports actually go hand in hand and does it promote cheating? Because if greed and competitive sports are in tandem, which promotes cheating, and if cheating in baseball is 
reportedly been going on forever, but now it's a big deal. Well, what does that say for the status of the game and other games? Uh, now, you, say, you hear very, very often, I've heard it all week long, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. And uh, cheating, stealing signs in baseball has been going on. They actually had a, a documented report of the late 1800s mm-hmm. in which someone actually climbed a pole to get a better bird's eye view, to steal signs. It's been going on for over 100 years. And if you're lackadaisical, then shame on you. But now you're using technology. And now uh, managers, general managers with the Astros, who, you, who were once with the Astros, who were then with the Red Sox, they're getting fired. The uh, recent hire of the Mets, which is affiliated, is getting fired. Everyone's getting fined. So now there's a big shakeup. And one of the big four major league sports. And it's time to start to talk about greed in general and how it's starting to skew perspective. Because if greed, in fact, in sports is the deadliest sin, well, then how does this impact the overall culture of how we play sports? And therefore, how does it impact how we evolve as a human race. But before we get into all of that, with our newest segment, Who's Got Game? We're now going to go over to Jess Ferdinand. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, so for for this candidate, we chose the one and only Ben Simmons. Since we're hot on all the topics today, why not? Why not choose Ben Stay Simmons? Stay on trend. Yeah. I mean, he's the most talked about player in Philadelphia. If you call into any radio show, any sports talk radio show, there's angry fans saying that they've given up. Ben Simmons is horrible. How can we have a point guard who can't shoot? But yet, everyone is still trying to figure him out. Yeah. Like, you don't want to give up on him just yet because he's he's a crazy talent, and he's ours. Yes. I thought Carson Wentz stunk. Well, that's another argument for another time. <laughs> well, that, that chapter has been closed, by the <laughs> way. You see. All right. now, we're now on to basketball. Okay. We're on to hoops. <laughs> well, I... Um, I noticed that he, this also uh, kind of made fans a little crazy because he tweeted about himself. This was, this tweet was actually really recent. This was within this, this past week. And he promoted himself in a tweet for the, um, what is it, the NBA All-Star Game? for the 2020. Voting. Yeah, for the voting. And he promoted himself and not only promoted himself like, hey, I'm Ben Simmons, vote for me. He said, hey, I'm Ben Simmons and I'm top five in assists, third, third year straight doing so. And it kind of got people a little hot, like... <laughs> well, this actually... I don't know if you caught it, but this ties back to a clip from an interview with Ben Simmons with a reporter in the locker room when the, the beginning of this season, uh, even preseason, when all of the rumblings were really starting to, to get more vocal about yeah. the extent that Ben Simmons was working on his jump shot in the offseason. Yes. And how much he was going to be shooting. Yeah. And this one particular reporter, I don't recall who it was, went after Ben in the locker room and hard-pressed him to talk about why isn't he shooting more and it's time to take more shots. And it, did you, in fact, develop a jump shot? And Ben's response was, I'm an all-star. I don't know if you caught that. <laughs> but so when he actually then, because, now again, when we're talking about the game that we all play, What's going on as far as wins and losses in Ben Simmons' mind? Because there are many different philosophies that are starting to kind of come to the surface. Is he playing more of a passive-aggressive game with the Sixers organization, specifically Brett Brown? Because 
he's being asked to handle the ball. He's being asked to run the offense. Therefore, where are my shooters? And if we're not making the time, spending energy, money to bring in more shooters, then I'm going to stay within the confines of my game, which I've really crafted well. Yeah, I his his playing style is really interesting because even when all of the if there's fans that that you know are arguing how horrible he is, he still averages almost a triple double every night, which Correct. is crazy. And he's again in his third year now. I think people sometimes forget that too because we expect instant gratification now. We have this new player, we want him to do really well right now. I also think that he's handling it mentally really well. Although I, I agree, I think he should maybe shoot some more. Like we saw, um, I'm going to say his last name because I think it's fun, Anatokounmpo uh-huh. <laughs> for the Bucks. I mean, he he's in the, he's kind of the same player as Ben, but at least he takes like five shots a game from the three. So he's he might not make them all. Maybe he'll make one out of five, but you know he's still just doing it to help the defense. This is this is the thing, though, and, and I'm not I'm not trying to be critical because you're bringing up a point that many people support, which is all about knowing something about basketball. If you have a perimeter shot, statistically, it doesn't ma- statistically as it relates to overall performance of your team, not statistically on your shot. Let's let me be clear. It benefits the team long run the more perimeter shots that you take because X's and O's wise, it opens up the yeah. defense and, and then it allows other things to happen. Yeah. That sentiment that you just shared is the very argument as to why Ben Simmons should be taking more shots. Yeah. However, when we think about the head game that Ben Simmons is playing, perhaps against me, myself, and I, Ben, not me, mm-hmm. there is a distinct line of, I think, confidence that is perceived by most as arrogance when Ben Simmons is asked that question. You can tell by the look on his face that Ben is extremely confident in who he is. Mm -hmm. However, as we continue to watch him grow and evolve, and let's not forget how young he is, the more pressure that he gets to conform to the perceived authority, the more resistant he becomes. And I think that's I think that is deemed by most as arrogance when you listen to him or when you watch him explain away like just the other night. I I, uh, was it two nights ago. Uh, no, it was, was it when they played the Nets mm-hmm. a couple of nights ago. Yeah. I, ca- I caught the game on the way home, and I think he scored 12 straight points by attacking the front rim. And I'm listening to it on the radio. I happened to be at the game the week before. Uh, against OKC, I had floor seats by the oh. way, which oh. I highly recommend. Oh, okay. I'm just yeah. saying, I've never been down on I the also floor. Recommend. <laughs> Once you're down on the floor, yeah, um, yeah, it's a diff- It's different. Well, you're you're literally feeling every dribble. Yeah, talk you know? about being on the floor during a playoff atmosphere. Yes, you might as well just be in the game. Yeah, well, <laughs> I actually, the person that I went with, I actually said to you, you can't really help but feel. You're part of yeah. the plays that are evolving because one, you're so close, but two, you're 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 literally feeling every dribble. It's very visceral. Yeah, I highly recommend it. Anyway, when you think about Ben Simmons and his position, this exchange of thoughts that he has in trying to explain, he very often goes back to the simplest answer. You know, simplest between two points is a straight line. 
he goes back to, well, I'm an all-star, which really means I'm effective. I'm, yeah. I'm doing my job. So is it, my point is, is, is it a larger game that he might be playing that we as the common fan are not privy to? Well, it's an interesting larger game. I mean, I know that he's not comfortable shooting, and now people, especially with Ben Simmons, are talking about sports psychology almost every single day. They're saying, what's, what's, what's Why his is head? That? Why can't he, what's, why can't he shoot? What we is we, we love we, we love Ben Simmons. Why yeah. do we love Ben Simmons? He's a great player. And <laughs> he's effective. And <laughs> people think that he should be doing more and they don't have an explanation as to why. That's why we love Ben Simmons yeah, in our profession. His explanation is saying, I don't really need to be doing more. I'm I'm doing just fine. Exactly. I'm an all-star. Leave me alone. Yeah. I'm doing my job. I'm almost averaging a triple-double. Yes. Look at my statistics. Which is why now, um, I was actually listening to a show on the way in, and the guy called in and made me laugh. He's like, you know, I really hope that Ben Simmons, I hope that he doesn't make the All-Star game, and I hope that Kendall Jenner breaks up with him. <laughs> and he's like, so then he can be sitting in his room with nothing to do but have to go out and shoot. Like, that's apparently all that the Philly fan cares about, is if Ben Simmons is shooting a three-pointer. They're not caring that he's a really great defender and all of these. I, it's funny how one little thing, it's like everyone has tunnel vision. They're just blocking out everything else that he's doing. Tunnel vision for what? If Ben can't shoot, he can't be a point guard. But ten- tunnel vision for Ben's not doing the best for the collective team. For yes, the which Sixers, is which is therefore impacting the wins and losses, the record, the playoff status. We're not advancing. Yes. Fire, get rid of him. Fire Brett Brown. So it's got this massive ripple effect. But again, we almost need a Ben Simmons watch, a Ben watch, week to week, because this is not going to go away. Not even in the least. Either they're presently in sixth place. Yes. And if they continue to ascend. The Eastern Conference, if they don't get to their goals, they're already talking about firing Brett Brown, that this is it. And this is the, again, let's tie it back to our topic, greed. Greed in sports. The sports culture. We need to win. We were very, very, very patient. We were asked to trust the process, and we did. It's now our time. We're not getting better. Why aren't we getting better? Ben Simmons isn't taking an outside shot. Brett Brown is not the forceful disciplinarian that needs to sit down Ben Simmons. Literally, put him on the bench, coach. He's not listening to you. You already (laughs) said earlier that he needs to be taking threes per game, and he's not doing that. And, And Brett Brown actually backed off of that. So again, we go back to this game that Ben Simmons might be playing. We could quickly shift it to the game that Brett Brown has been playing. For years. And as those things relate to us and what it means for us, when we talk about greed in sports, the deadliest sin, is it a byproduct of what we watch, the players that we cheer for, or is it something much deeper? I'm thinking it's the fans. It's 15 minutes past the hour, and you know what time that means. (laughs) I was over at his place last night, and things were rocking. I was not working out. I just happened to stop by. I wanted to go see the man. You just wanted to say hi to your dear friend? <laughs> I did. I hadn't seen him since pre-holidays. Oh. He gave me a big smile. 
He was rocking the ski cap. Not too many people can rock the yeah. indoor ski cap over the age of it's 40. It's like a lot, yeah. Okay. Even on his headphones, he had it on. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He doesn't He doesn't deviate. Yeah. He's all about the brand, and he's in touch with it. <laughs> and he's Coach Cal. That's good. You need a, you need a thing. The Kalinowski this Performance Academy. The hat. And he's our guy, and he's calling in. Good morning, Coach. Good morning, everybody. How are you? I'm good, man. How are you? Um, I'm doing well. So we're going to get right into it, Cal, because this is a hot topic, and I just kind of want your take on it. Um, we're talking about greed in sports, the deadliest sin, and the seven deadly sins, and and how somehow, some way, in 2020, uh, with this most recent baseball scandal, it seems like really the sentiment if you're not cheating you're not trying apparently is very very true and alive and well uh in the sport of professional baseball what's your take on not so much cheating cal but how greed has consumed the performance world from a standpoint of the performance world um it's just like almost any other industry, almost any other setting, um, there are individuals that will give in to greed and it'll make them do things that they may not normally do, but they will do whatever it takes, regardless of who it affects or how it affects them, um, for their own good. And in the performance world, probably the most common thing would be performance enhancing, uh, drugs or supplements. And, uh, you know, not to sound cliche, but, you know, right now steroids has made another cycle back. Um, you know, that's one of the things that probably most uh, amateur athletes resort to. And um, like I said, in the, in our area, it, it's back. It's, you know, going strong. And I also think it's not just uh, from a performance standpoint and, and the hope that, you know, I'm going to get a, a scholarship for college or, I'm going to be able to get into the pros. I think social media has just driven it even more um, because of people's egos and people's need to be seen and have likes and um, be a, a internet uh, phenom. So greed has definitely been in the performance world forever. People have always been trying to find an edge. But right now I think it's got to be, in my experience, probably the worst that it's ever been. So when you think about how it starts to trickle through performance into sport, uh, business, and culture. Now, there's so many different opinions about um, positivity and entrepreneurship. And, you know, th- these are, are domains that you and I have, have tried to kind of chip away and, and uh, borrow, maybe even beg from others to experience that for ourselves you know we've we've thrown our hat in that ring how do you feel about this concept of when you think about society influencing greed in general the messages that we're either seeing on tv or we're hearing from personalities that are impacting you and i as well as our children it's very disheartening um you know the values that we were brought up with seem to don't matter anymore um and i agree with you that there are so many influences by you know sports and maybe individuals that society put up on a you know a pedestal um that kind of you know 
create this or allow it to manifest even more. And, you know, like I said, it, it carries over not only just in, in sport, but, I mean, it's rampant in business and, you know, in all other kinds of settings. And, uh, you know, I, I think for individuals like us, we have to continue to fight the good fight and still, you know, uh, lead by example and promote what is right um, and try to help you know, athletes and, and individuals understand you know, what our standpoint is, not to just impose it on them, but to let them understand why it's it's important to not be so greedy. It's fine to want things, and it's fine to work hard for things. But if you let greed take over, it becomes a vicious cycle because you get what you initially wanted, and then you want more because you find out you're not satisfied anymore. So with regard to, you know, the influence and, and uh, the impact, I think it's terrible. And again, I you know I've said it before, and maybe it, there is some truth to it. Maybe we're just getting older and wiser, and or is it really our society getting more corrupt and um, lacking character and, and honorable individuals to, to follow? I think so the older and wiser man. that we get, we get more offended from what we have maybe yeah. always endured as uh, humanity. Yeah. Uh, that, that's what I personally find. So I, I mentioned earlier at the top of the hour that if greed and competitive sports go hand in hand, and we're seeing more and more of that, right, with the, the Patriots mm-hmm. just sure. recently getting another offense, and that ruling hasn't been handed down. Now you've got, you know, all hell is breaking loose in Major League Baseball. Um, if greed and competitive sports go hand in hand, and that promotes cheating, Cal, is cheating in baseball a big deal? I think cheating in anything is a big deal. Um, in baseball, especially with a, a similar situation to what we have with the Astros, I mean, teams have been stealing signs forever. Um, there's people on the bench that are supposed to steal signs. But, um, I don't know all the details about this, but obviously there was a, a use of technology, which uh, makes it worse. But it is more modern-day cheating. They were videoing it, a steel signing, and then they had a sound right. system using an old-fashioned trash can where kind of there, like, like one drum was a fastball, two drums was a curveball, and three drums yeah. was a slider. Um, Sounds like Hogan's Heroes. Yes. And apparently <laughs> it was quite effective when you look at the 2017 home versus away statistics, especially yeah. for people like Altuve, uh, it's it's actually staggering uh, yeah, how, how how much the disparity is in on base percentage, slugging, and batting average. Um, so it's not even about the details, Cal. And yeah, it's been going on forever. But when you think about and this is the other, uh, I want to get your opinion on this. This is the other sentiment that I'd be hearing a lot of that tends to charge me up. It's like, well. Cheating in baseball isn't the same that it is in football because even if even if you know that the uh, you know eighty nine mile an hour slider is coming, you still have to be able to hit it. But if you know right. to play in football, then that's easier to defend. What's your What's your take on all of that? Now, like I said, I think cheating is cheating. No matter how you look at it, you can't justify it. As soon as you start justifying it, you're saying it's okay. And if you say cheating is okay then it just becomes, this is okay, and this is okay. So you can't keep making excuses. You can't keep making justifications for things that create an unlevel playing field, that um, create an edge for certain you know, certain individuals or certain teams. Um, so, I mean, that's why these 
uh, governing bodies need to stay on top of these types of things and and you know put the hammer down on it, not just say, okay, well, we followed our procedures and according to our procedures and bylaws, it wasn't you know whatever. You know, that's similar to what happened with New England Patriots. Um, nothing really happened with the Flake Gate and things like that. So um, I, I think if you want to put out a good product, if you want to be something that is uh, a, a good example for our society and to continue to um, enrich the American society, then you have to do the right things. And when you um, allow cheating, when you allow a lot of things that happen in, in uh professional sports on and off the field um i think you are just continually um you know promoting more than just greed as a deadly sin but yeah you got to be when you have that much influence and uh when you look at the nfl as an example they took over sunday sunday was for you know know, traditionally a church day they took over god's day and then they took over monday and now they took over. They took over Thursday. So Thursday never. you had that. Thursday never spoke to me, man. You know, you said, yeah. you said you said earlier. I want to bring you back to a point. You said earlier that when the, the things go awry, you got to step up and do the right thing. Well, yeah. why 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 is that? Because that doesn't happen a lot, brother. It doesn't happen a lot, and like I said, I, I think it's about doing the right thing, and it's hard to do the right thing. It is, um, especially when you're you're going up against so much influence and um there are so many uh, um, things that would force individuals to want to do the wrong thing you know whether it's money or success or status whatever it might be but i think you know from our standpoint like i said you have to continue to do the right thing to make sure that the right change occurs and that you stick to you know, good values and standards. Um, you know, I'm not trying to be a you know a preacher, but there's something to be said when it comes down to you know holding on to values and traditions um, that enhance people's lives, that enhance our society. And when they become unimportant anymore, uh, it becomes a, a really nasty downward spiral for not only just the you know, the the sports fan, but the athlete themselves, the owners, the organization, and society itself because of the influence that they have. You know, when you see all this, you know, negativity and that, you know, things that should be important with regard to uh, character and values, when you see that it's not that important and you keep seeing it and you keep seeing it, you start to think, okay, it's not that important or it's okay. And like I said, you, you have to, in my opinion, stick to... Uh, your your ethics you have to stick to your values to continue to promote them and and try to get people to understand the value of it and you know hopefully you can make an impact on several and those individuals can make an impact on others and it can change the culture you're not going to change everyone uh, but hopefully you can change the culture enough where um the, your circle or the society that you you know um interact with have similar thoughts, similar ideas, similar values, so that you have a better quality of life. Um, so hold on, hold on. Yeah. I'm going to interrupt you for a second because there's something I yeah. want you to really get after. You said earlier that you don't want to sound like a preacher, but I'll tell you what you do sound like. You sound like an idealist. Okay. And I'm fine with that. 
because you and I share a lot of morals and values. But guess what, brother? Last time I checked, idealism does not equate to wins. No, so 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 there lies the conflict. There lies the cultural problem. I'm going to give you the stage for about two minutes, and you're going to wrap things up at half past the hour. I want you to give okay. me some good old fashioned homegrown Coach Cal. If I where does idealism fit in today's world, brother? If it's not impacting the bottom line that it seems like most of us are interested in, which is winning. It's a great statement, and it's a great way to have me end, because I think idealism can win. I think idealism can win in business. I think it can win in relationships. I think it can you know, win in education, and I think it can win in sport. Um, is it the ideal, no pun intended? No, um, because like I said, people are always trying to find the edge. People are uh, very selfish. People um, definitely need to feed the greed and you're going to get people that will counter it and challenge it and and always want to get the edge on you no matter what it takes Um, but I think for the individual that is like myself and and you know like you when you put your head down on the pillow at night you got to be able to get into a nice deep sleep and be comfortable with who you are and what you have accomplished in the long run when it's all over and you look back at it, for me, as an idealist, as you had indicated, I want to look back and have people look at me and be able to say, you know, he stuck to his guns. He was a great guy. He had a great influence. He motivated people to do the right thing rather than, and I know people like this. This is why I'm saying it. Rather than taking a look at that individual and saying he had a lot of money. But God, was he stingy. God, was he ruthless. He didn't do anything for anybody but himself. And, yeah, you can accumulate a lot of wealth. You can accumulate a lot of status. But in the when it comes down to it, if you haven't made an impact on society, if you haven't done things that are valuable for people, if you haven't really been an inspiration, in my eyes, what have you done? You've only done things that made you a selfie, greedy individual that is going to be forgotten about or only thought of as a stingy, greedy individual. So for me, um, my values are slightly different. The idealism in me is probably not realistic for a lot of people. But I know, you know, when I wake up every morning, like I say, I try to wake up to make a difference. And that difference would be led by my idealism. Hands down, Coach Cal, some of your absolutely best and finest work. Thank you, sir. Oh, what a tangled web we weave. This ain't it the truth. The head game continues in the arena. Dr. Lee Piccarillo and Jess Ferdinand. Yeah, sign stealing, huh? So you got your laptop today. Someone was blowing your phone up. Right before the break, you want to hit me with some uh, some leading news? Something. Uh, you know, I I don't. I'm going to try and find it more clearly. I don't want to lie to okay. my listeners. You don't want to mislead. Just to start off, um, I do have just all of the statistics of this, like the home and away, and the player individually. So just really quickly, the statistics of the home versus road 
games for the Astros. So this is in 2017 when they won. They went 101 and 61. They finished first in the AL West. Their home record was eight and one, and their road record was three and six. And it, it just like literally continues to be that. Like once you have that record, you can assume the rest. But what's more kind of interesting is the individual player stats. So we were talking about like Altuve. His home batting average average was 472, and his away is 143. I mean, that's big. Correa, Carlos Correa, home 371, away 211. Bregman, I really like Bregman. Um, 273, away 154. I wish to have the following noted for the record. <laughs> Brian McCann, home 300, away. Point thirty-seven. I don't even know how to read that one. Point oh three seven. Yeah, point oh three seven. Less than a hundred. Yes. I mean, it j- literally just continues for yeah, the rest. It's, 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 just to uh, set the base it's, for it's our conversation. We're going to switch it just up a little bit because I want to get the other side of the coin. And we're going to go to one of, of my personal movie character favorites from the 1980s, played by Michael Douglas. The ruthless, the unforgiving... The inexcusable Gordon Gecko, and he's going to talk to us about how greed is good. The point is, ladies and gentlemen, that greed, for lack of a better word, is good. Greed is right. Greed works. Greed clarifies, cuts through, and captures the essence of the evolutionary spirit. Greed in all of its forms. Greed for life, for money, for love, knowledge has marked the upward surge of mankind and greed, you mark my words, will not only save Teldar paper, but that other malfunctioning corporation called the USA. Thank you very much. <laughs> no, they start playing Sinatra oh. as he's going back to his seat. Then in the Which sequel, we, now it's legal. Right. It's Fly Me to the Moon. <laughs> oh, Actually, okay. it is a very nice compliment to you the back like, end. I thought of, you just liked hearing the crowd cheer No, 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 no. It's, he's, he's walking back to his seat, and he's getting the, right. like, he's kind of raising his eyebrows, like, where did that come from? <laughs> but I, whoever wrote that, um, that, that's one of my personal favorites. Um, greed clarifies and captures the evolutionary spirit yeah so my oh my that that just like kind of stuck out almost a talking point that we have but do you need to be greedy do you need greed to then be competitive do they go hand in hand that's an excellent question and this is going to feel like it's out of left field no pun intended but it's really not um you know how YouTube thinks for you, yes. and it finds similar the cookies, videos. And yes, it, it, it you know, and it puts the stuff on the side, and it, it it's, yeah. it's all brilliant, right? Because it's all tapping it into works. the neurotransmitters yeah. and the dopamine. And <laughs> so, in my search this week for greed, yes. think about this connection that YouTube made. It brought up a fishing expedition in Japan, showing the millions literally millions of fish per year that this one particular japanese company pulls out of the ocean with this netting system 
mm-hmm. and they have these giant floating barges that are the size of football fields and these nets that are all orchestrated and they barrel and tunnel all of these fish to the sides of these barges and literally use a crane to pull up thousands and thousands of fish all at once. And if you think about this concept of greed, when you think about the the old man in the sea, have you ever read The Old Man in the Sea? No. You should. It's about an older fisherman who goes out every day by himself in about a 12-foot wooden boat and hand-line fishes for a living. And one particular day, he catches the Moby Dick of sailfish. And the entire book is about man versus beast um, and who's going to win. It's a phenomenal story. Mm. Um, But with that being said, in my pursuit of trying to better understand greed in sports, I'm now looking at thousands and thousands and thousands of fish being brought up all at once. And to your point, which made me think of this, is, is greed necessary to stay competitive in Major League Baseball, in the fishing industry, in, in, in organizations. When you think about the manufacturing of, of sports products and how there's just, uh, there needs to be scores and scores of options everywhere. Um, we are a greedy society. Mm-hmm. Think about how we mass produce everything. Yeah. We create so much more than we need. Why in the world wouldn't people cheat? Why in the world would any other position that someone might take make a whole lot of sense as it relates to, yeah, we're talking about the cheating scandal in baseball, which is now bringing our attention to it. But again, it's a much deeper concept. What is it about the evolutionary need in human beings that becomes greedy? Why, why are we not just satisfied with the the bare minimal for sustainability. I think that goes into our DNA. We just we I think we kind of like to compete. If you're if you're an athlete in particular, you like that competition and the everything that comes along with it. <laughs> so with with greed and competition, I I do think that they kind of go hand in hand. And maybe it's not the negativity greed that we're thinking of. Maybe it's a different side of greed. Like maybe there is a person who says like what yeah, other side I, of greed? I'm trying to figure it out. Like maybe if we're we're. <laughs> I mean, I I, I love the passion. Okay. I have we're maybe one me for the last time. Maybe Stretch I, I might have. I might be able to explain myself. But as I say it, it might not make sense. That's fine. So when you, I, I saw plenty of times when there's two runners, and running is a individualized sport. You're running, and you just want to get through the whatever you get. <laughs> I clearly didn't run track in high school. Clearly. Um, however, there's numerous stories about runners who are running next to somebody, and that person kind of is starting to get disheveled. They're, you know, they start falling. And time after time, that person who's in first place goes back and takes their arm and helps them through. And there was a video, and I don't remember if it's the Olympics or college or professional, but he actually pushed him in front of him. And he came in second, and he let the guy who was... Because he knew how hard that person trained. Mm-hmm. Now, the whole time, com- competing, training, there's greed. There's competition, because he's trying to be the best. But at the time when that, it came to his character... Yes. 
he 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 puts that he or she puts that aside. Yeah. And and I think running is a good example because that's where you see a lot of of muscle failure moments where yes, people are com- basically what people it was. people are completely depleted. They 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 literally literally have nothing yeah. have nothing left to give. Their their body is done. Their yeah. body is shutting down. Where someone goes back and you look at the the humanitarian aspect of uh, it starts to supersede. Right. It, it comes in first place over greed. Yeah. And I hear your point. But when we think about what was, you know, a long, long time ago identified as the deadly sins, when you think about greed, you think about envy, you think about pride, yeah. um, you think about these things that are are natural, are projected as natural detriments that are going to lead to more negative things happening. Greed is one of those things that tends to be, in modern-day sport, more reinforced than punished. Yeah. Because what's what's the first thing that most people who know anything about baseball will say when the Major League Baseball scandal hits? They'll probably say, doesn't that happen already? It's been happening all the time, right? Yeah. Which, of course, is true, but it's also a much larger statement as to how culturally we have adopted that. Mm -hmm. And I'm not pointing fingers and I'm not identifying the stance as right or wrong. I'm making an observation. Well, that happens all the time. Therefore, what is that really saying? That because it's been present, that somehow, some way, we compromised our value on that? Because I can get the idealist, a.k.a. Coach Cal, back on the phone and he has something different to say about that. That cheating is cheating is cheating. It never changes. It always is. And I think there is something to that. Because what we're really talking about is how it starts to compromise the moral fiber of how we interact with our fellow man, how we live our lives, how we raise our children, which inevitably will impact DNA, thus evolution. It has to. Yeah. It's like anything else. It's, it's, it's why do certain people in the world get taller and taller and taller? Because their ancestors needed to be taller for a particular reason that was contingent on the survival of that species. Well, it's no different with moral and value fiber. It'll just take longer if, if our species does in fact evolve another 2,000, 20,000, 200,000 years. It's not if, but when. Yes, and kind of to that point, which is going on a different angle of this, um, or on my side of it, with the evolving, there's been cheating in baseball. So wasn't it a like about time that something different came along with the different types of cheating? Now it's technology. That's why it's so like staggering for everybody because before it was your eye test. Now it's like I'm gonna, I'm just gonna have a video in center field and shoot it down to you, and then you're gonna hit a trash can. Foxy, let's go to number two and take a listen as to how cheating has evolved over the years. This isn't the first instance of technology-based sign stealing. In 1876, the Hartford Dark Blues perched a man on a telegraph pole to alert hitters of the newly invented curveball. The 1951 Giants, managed by spymaster Leo DeRocher, used a telescope and buzzer to steal signals. And the 2017 Red Sox were fined for using smartwatches in a three-game series against the Yankees. 
But the Astros system was different, because it was now plainly available for everyone to see. Or maybe I should say, available for everyone to hear. Still, so he may be. The trash can bangs were audible on broadcasts, broadcasts that are available on this very website. In the months since the story broke, internet detectives, regular baseball fans like you and I, have been documenting every shred of evidence possible to sink the now-despised Houston Astros. And with that, this story published by two great baseball writers for The Athletic suddenly became a huge group project for everyone in the baseball community. So if it's evolved throughout the years, does that make it more okay? Well, that's kind of what I was getting at last time. Like, yeah, like there's always been cheating in sports and it's almost not, although I don't, now there's more evidence coming out about it, but initially I kind of wasn't, I was like, I mean, wasn't it about time that someone just did a different angle on cheating? Yeah, but, but, but hold on. Does that make them smart for doing it? Maybe it makes them greedy because, again, we're not talking about cheating. We're talking about what's driving cheating. Winning. Right. Or money. Mm-hmm. Advancement. Promotion. Corporation. Last time I checked, professional sports is a multi-billion dollar business. Therefore, it's worth it. And what my point is, if it's worth it because cheating gets you to win, what's left? What, what, what's left? I want you to answer that question. Yeah. What's left? Nothing. Nothing. Nothing's left. And that's scary. And more than that, the guy who tipped him off getting flack for being the whistleblower yeah. by fires. Do I, now we shouldn't so even something tell. something was not, wrong. He said yeah. so. It said so. And they, Other stations are breaking down person. whether or not he's a rat. <laughs> he should. He should. Have, and he culturally have, yeah. how that's defined. Because he was part of the problem that then was the whistleblower. And they were comparing that to the political whistleblower who heard one thing and thought it was wrong, but wasn't part of that wrong thing. So it was right to blow the whistle. Yeah. I mean, this is what's coming up in society. Of how you think about it. So does winning make you greedy? Wanting to win make you greedy? To an extent, but I think it's how you operationally define greed. I think you need to be more selfish at some point to be competitive. And I use that word selfish as taking care of my body, taking care of my mind, sleep, hydration, nutrition. Selfishly, I need to do things differently. But once you win or once you achieve a certain status, it's almost as if it's now being explained that you have to be greedy to sustain success. And if that's required, well, then it's permissible. Why? Because everybody does it. It was the, it's the argument with the Patriots for over a decade. Everyone steals signs. Everyone does videoing. And, but then there's the argument of, in fact, the Patriots are getting caught There was a a statement um, that was made maybe a few weeks ago. Um, The the reporter's name is escaping me. When they talk about the, the number of times that you actually do something versus the number of times that you get caught. Statistically speaking, those that are getting caught the most are doing it 10 times greater Mm -hmm. than the average person, than the average organization. That's just statistically known. So what is that telling you? If they're that good at cheating, thus that greedy to stay atop, then that means that they're... 
They're breaking every rule. And that's a cultural thing. Now, does that start to compromise the genius that we assign to those individuals for coaching or managing those teams? If we actually knew what what went on behind closed doors? I think it's just a larger question that culturally we don't have a lot of information as it relates to because we're not on the inside. But it's becoming more and more relevant when we see incidents like what's the one in which that's transpiring in Major League Baseball. Yeah, so um, for your for your thoughts, what what are your initial thoughts on this? Do you think that it's that this is wrong and everything that's happening should be happening? Now, when it first came out, there wasn't a lot of uh, you just knew that there was a video camera in center field, center field, and they're sending signals through whatever hitting a trash can. Now right. we're finding all these different types of things, like the pitchers are involved with pads on their shoulders that are vibrating and blah 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 like there's so much more right so so to, to your point that there's always more there's always more <laughs> and and there's so much more that we won't find out about yeah. for years from now until there's another scandal it, it's 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 copycat league in reverse it's if you find something that truly genuinely works everybody wants a piece of it well if yeah. someone is greed driven to the point of cheating then everyone and and they and they do it successfully. Then it's just a matter of time. The psychology of it all is going to be encouraging people to to pull onto that and want to make it something a reality for themselves. There's yeah. Cork in the bats, scuffing baseballs, tacks in the glove. The, the pine. Kind of, the, yeah. the yeah. Yeah. The, yeah the pine kind of, I mean, it's, yeah. you know, there's there's a certain level. There's always it. been something to an advantage. But to answer your question from earlier, I do have a problem with what's going on, and I think it's great for the game that people are getting punished and they're losing their jobs there needs to be repercussion that is the core element when you think about greed greed is more about a blind pursuit of something that's deemed successful at all costs but i think greed according to gordon gecko is good when it's being rewarded when you pursue something out of greed and it works then it feeds itself. When the repercussion exists, Jessica, now at least I think something about the moral or the value-based fabric that we try to live by at least gets some attention for a while. So your statement on when you, when you get um, rewarded something positive for greed, are we talking about like dirty greed? Like you're getting rewarded for similar to this, like the Astros got rewarded Right, they 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 were rewarded with the World Series trophy. But the world also took a full 360, and they lost the next time. But right, but but you know, but you mentioned an article about a pitcher who went on record to say, "Yeah, I was trying to." I I think I said it in the break, yeah, and I didn't flyers. remember if I said it. Yeah, so th- this is a it's a great example of how the this player is playing for the Dodgers currently. He's Alex Wood. He's a pitcher. He went against this team, and I think he lost to the team in some in the playoff rounds. And he came out on Twitter and said, I would rather face a player that was taking steroids than face a player that knew every pitch that was coming. That statement speaks volumes. Yeah. Especially considering the steroid era that yeah, went on in Major a, League I'd Baseball. Rather, rather, and the Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa home run. I, the, the, I was uh, a much younger man. That was a very exciting time in baseball. Everybody wanted to be a part of that, of who was going to win the home run race. And then you had the congressional hearings, yeah. and you had all of the outlandish statements and the public lies. 
it just kept going until it couldn't go anymore. Yeah, and still that, though, it's still equal in some way because the pitcher, you got to still hit the stuff that he's throwing, and he can be as well and strong and good at hitting, but he's, it's, you know, he still has to do the, the fun parts of baseball, which is kind of guessing the pitch, like educationally guessing. Like the, When you know the pitch is coming because now it's all messed up, it's, I think that's why it's, com- it's cheating. There's still a lot of suspensions for 80 games for taking The players stuff. haven't been suspended, it. though. That's still the next on. thing. Excuse me? The next thing is that the players have not been suspended yet. Right, and there's speculation that that's yeah. not going to happen. Yeah. But we will see. Because now They were you, all involved in it. Well, t- well but it's... You'd it, have to assume. This goes back to, to the, the Chicago White Sox of 1919, 19, right? Yeah. The Black Sox? 1919? 1919. Eight, eight men out. Right. Charlie Sheen. Another great movie that you need to see, in which they were uh, approached by a heavy booking agent mm. and... Um, Many of them were accused, in, uh, including Shoeless Joe Jackson, to have taken money to have thrown the World Series because all of their statistics were so high during the regular season and the playoffs versus to so abysmally low in the World Series that they were guilty by association. Yeah. Shoeless Joe Jackson went on record until his death that he didn't take any money, but he was still part of a group. So my point is, is that now if we're guilty by association, almost a, uh, a hundred year, oh, a hundred years later, a hundred and one years later, are we now going to, in fact, is base, Major League Baseball going to say Altuve, eighty games, Bregman, fifty games? You think you think they're going to do that? That specifically based on statistics? Because once you open up that can of worms. Well, you know, now, now, that's now, why they're getting paid the way they are, because they need to figure it out. Right. But again, <laughs> but to your very point, <laughs> yes. young Jessica, when it comes back to value or monetary gain or what it's worth, now it's what people feel that it's worth for them to take risks, to stretch yeah. the rules, to break the rules, to cheat all in the name of greed. Blue chips is another one. Right. Nick Nolte. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Right, You're right on and, it. And, and a young Shaquille O'Neal. Shaquille O'Neal and, on and a young Bob Sha- Knight. Who, who Bobby Knight made a cameo in here's, that. Here's a guy that himself. here's a guy who was as tough as nails, and people didn't like him, but they all graduated, and nobody ever had hit him in any scandal of any kind. So, you know, there's something to be said for that. Mm. Few and far between, though. Jessica, final thoughts. Feed the greed. That's my final thoughts. (laughs) Is that your final thoughts? Feed the pig, right? (laughs) Feed the greed? Feed the greed. Okay. Final thoughts from Jess? And now, Dr. Lee's Mindful Athlete Minute, brought to you by Volvo Country, with locations in Princeton, Bridgewater, and Edison. Don't be so greedy. There's plenty for everyone. Take one and only one. Now that's enough. Yes, greed is identified as one of the seven deadly sins, and reportedly, they all give birth to more immoralities. Now, greed in sports has been going on as long as the games themselves have been created. It began with just one individual who tasted success and then thought that winning was more of a right and less of a privilege. And so this plot thickens, all under the guise of being a winner versus a loser. The truth is, greed is only a sin if you have assigned a moral code to the very behavior. That while it may bring you success, it comes to define you in all the wrong ways. So yes, as we turn the page of this story, what greed really is about is substance and character. 
How deep does your value tank go and how much do you need to float? Athletes and coaches alike who aspire to be the best are all driven to reach the top of their mountain, to climb. But it's the life lessons along the trail that change DNA and impact evolution. One man, one mountain, with the family crest flag flying high atop Olympus. There's certainly no sin in that. My name is Dr. Lee Piccarello, and that's my Mindful Athlete Minute.